back to the Deeper Dive podcast, Catechism of the Catholic Church in a year. Today is day number 195, and we begin with number 1461. Since Christ entrusted to his apostles the ministry of reconciliation, bishops who are their successors and priests, the bishop's collaborators, continue to exercise this ministry. Indeed, bishops and priests, by virtue of the sacrament of holy orders, have the power to forgive all sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness of sins brings reconciliation with God, but also with the church. Since ancient times, the bishop, visible head of a particular church, has thus rightfully been considered to be the one who principally has the power and ministry of reconciliation. He is the moderator of the penitential discipline. Priests, his collaborators, exercise it to the extent that they have received the commission either from their bishop or religious superior or the pope according to the law of the church. Certain particularly grave sins incur excommunication, the most severe ecclesiastical penalty, which impedes the reception of the sacraments and the exercise of certain ecclesial acts, ecclesiastical acts, and for which absolution consequently cannot be granted according to canon law except by the Pope, the bishop of the place or priest authorized by them. In danger of death, any priest, even if deprived of faculties for hearing confessions, can absolve from every, can absolve from every sin and excommunication. Priests must encourage the faithful to come to the sacrament of penance and must make themselves available to celebrate this sacrament each time Christians reasonably ask for it. When he celebrates the sacrament of penance, the priest is fulfilling the ministry of the Good Shepherd, who seeks the lost sheep, of the Good Samaritan who binds up wounds, of the Father who awaits the prodigal son and welcomes him on his return, and of the just and impartial judge whose judgment is both just and merciful. The priest is the sign and the instrument of God's merciful love for the sinner. The confessor is not the master of God's forgiveness, but its servant. The minister of this sacrament should unite himself to the intention and charity of Christ. He should have a proven knowledge of Christian behavior, experience of human affairs, respect and sensitivity toward the one who has fallen. He must love the truth, be faithful to the magisterium of the church, and lead the penitent with patience toward healing and full maturity. He must pray and do penance for his penitent, entrusting him to the Lord's mercy. Given the delicacy and greatness of this ministry and the respect due to persons, the Church declares that every priest who hears confessions is bound under very severe penalties to keep absolute secrecy regarding the sins that his penitents have confessed to him. He can make no use of knowledge that confession gives him about penitents' lives. This secret, which admits of no exceptions, is called the sacramental seal, because what the penitent has made known to the priest remains sealed by the sacrament. Father Jack. Thanks, Bill. Uh, You know, we kind of, this section on the catechism goes through, who the minister is, and very simply, it's it's the bishop and then whatever priest he delegates, right? This is kind of one of those things that I think is often misunderstood, uh, even by very faithful Catholics, is that uh, his priests aren't on their own, right? We're not kind of, we always are in union with our local church who and the head of that, which is who is the bishop. Um, 
the the pastor isn't uh, the bishop of the parish. He's he's a coworker in the field. He's he's always under that promise or vow of obedience to his his bishop, his ordinary or or their successor or um, or the equivalent. If you're a religious, right, then your religious superior takes over. Um, but but the the key to that is that the priest has no power without being in union with the bishop, right? As as being a member of the church. That's where the rest of that. Um, that kind of at the end, kind of coming full circle, will come, come out that he has to be faithful to the magisterium and 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 be, you know love the truth and all those things. It's it's not that we get to do what we want. Uh, it, it's that we're always at the mercy of the bishop, right? Which is a very, um, you know, not as challenging as it sounds, but it's very much the reality. Is you know as as was described, I think one time uh, we have we have the piping in order. You know, as a as ordained priest, uh, but the water doesn't run through unless the bishop says so. Um, so, so that is just an important thing to really highlight in this section. And of course, the 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 one one paragraph in this section talks about excommunication and and the fact that one cannot receive the sacrament with, while in this state. That's why excommunication is one of those difficult penalties to kind of describe because it's meant to be medicinal it's not meant to be uh, a, a permanent feature right sometimes you know i think sometimes we hear some very famous people and they say oh they should be excommunicated it's like well we really don't like doing that <laughs> i don't know why we're, we're quick to give the most severe penalty we possibly can i mean there are some right um and and it, it's always done with an act right what we mean by that is it's always a public thing because it's meant to say correct yourself Get, get back in line, seek out the forgiveness that you have to, right? I remember my Irish canon law professor when describing one of the uh, excommunicable offenses reserved to the Holy Father, which is if you strike the Pope, he goes, if you hit the Pope, you just got to say sorry. That's all it is, right? And that it was a very, uh, it's a very striking thing of like, yeah, that's that's all excommunication is meant to be. You, you haven't just sinned against God who is always present. You haven't just sinned against your neighbor, but you sinned publicly against the whole corporate body of the church. And so we uh, we try to limit when it is used. There is also this, of course, the idea of late sentencia, I should say, excuse me, uh, excommunication. It's a very actually um, controversial topic because, you know, it's used often, you know, by the act... Um, committed it's an excommunicable offense but it's actually impossible um it's one of those weird things you have to know that you're doing the excommunicable offenses that it will incur this penalty for it to be that way and so therefore the act is done so it's, you know it's very it's a silly little thing but uh very it takes very precise language that would take more than 10 minutes to really describe um but the key of that is that any of those sins can always be forgiven and the penalty removed by any priest given the faculty. And, the, and that's every priest, as far as I know, in the United States and definitely in the Archdiocese of Washington. Um, but that is also an extension of, of the faculties of the bishop who has that permission to extend that faculty to his priest. With that in mind, um, it, it's not what should be the focus. The focus should be uh, rather on how we're meant to receive this sacrament and why it is entrusted to a minister of the church, a public figure of representing uh, both Christ to the people and then the people back to Christ. He sits as the intercessor, the mediator between. He sits as an icon of Christ throughout this whole process. And, and in that, 
because there is such a greatness to to the vulnerability of the penitent to bring up and and expose their very conscience to, to expose the not only their history of what they have done but the, every part of who they are in the confession right it it, sh- it should i mean it, i mean it shouldn't be a a big cry fest every time you come in but it should kind of move us as to what is being done the great love that is being exchanged on the part of the penitent to god and god back to the penitent the penitent in the love and that is expressed mostly in sorrow for past sins but also joy at being received and and the joy that is uh of uh, or graced out the love that is being shown in the reconciliation that god is doing um and because of that because this is such an intimate affair there is this seal and the seal has um a very uh, it, it's a very it's actually a very funny thing because it is meant to be uh full but but we talk about a violation of the seal and it can be in two different ways it can be an indirect violation in which a priest um says something um without connecting the sin to the penitent and that's just imprudent and um can can be a a, a breaking of trust um, and then the direct violation, which is what we often talk about when we talk about a priest violating the seal, which is you connect a sin to the penitent and thereby expose and breaking fully that seal of the of confession, and he is then excommunicated. Uh, that's how strong this is meant to be. It's supposed to, it comes with the most severe of ecclesiastical penalties um, because it is such a violation of trust and of that, um, you know, it, that which is more fragile ought to be more protected and so um and so with that the seal comes with such strong a punishment to say this is how fragile this is the trust of the penitent and confessor that we shouldn't really make even an indirect violation so the priest shouldn't ever talk when rarely ever do uh talk about the sins that they hear um but they absolutely can never discuss no, not with another priest, not with their spiritual director, not with, uh, I mean, I would even argue even another sin, or any, even uh, even in discussing it within their own confession, they they cannot uh, talk about it. Um, that's never a time in which uh, it can be broken because that is how much is being done, uh, how much work is being done between the penitent and God. <laughs>